Well, see, if you didn't come last Sunday night, you missed Ben and Jerry's ice cream and watermelon. We had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Last Sunday evening, members gathered here at 5 o'clock and using their cell phones called hundreds of members of this church just to say, hey, how can we pray for you? What's going on in your life? We want to pray for you. And, um, and then went to different rooms on our campus, including the playgrounds, to pray for the people who gather there every week, the ministries that take place in that spot. Members went down to the rock and the apex and prayed for what y'all will be doing this weekend. And every time we do something like that at the church, I see something that really blesses me. In fact, several things. And it's often very small things, but they just bless my heart. And so last Sunday evening, I was over in this hallway and I opened the door to the stairwell. And here sits this couple a few years older than me sitting on the stairs in the stairwell with their cell phone calling members of our church praying for them. And scenes like that always touch me. They always bless me because it talks about God's people and how they care. I was in a classroom upstairs, and here's one of the younger ladies in our church sitting on the floor with her cell phone calling people and praying for them, and that was a real, real blessing. And, and by the way, I've, I've had fun this weekend checking out the photographs on Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, of Rock the House. All these uh, younger-looking faces over here in red, that's the students who've been here for Rock the House. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Brag. That's all right. Go ahead. In this sermon series, we've been looking at uh, the subject of liking the church, and we said that Jesus loves the church, therefore it's not asking too much for you and me to like his church, to like the church that we're a part of. And when you like someone, you like something, you tend to be good to them, help them, take care of them, protect them. So we've been looking for, the, for a few weeks at some of the things Jesus tells us in the, the Gospels and in the New Testament that he expects us to do to help his church, protect his church, care for his church because he loves it, we love it, we're supposed to like it. And so today, as we wrap this series up, I want to talk about some reasons, not just ways we're supposed to like the church and care for it, but some reasons that we are to like the church and help the church. And there's a really good example in the New Testament. There was a local church that the Apostle Paul bragged on. It was a church that he was really proud of, located in the city of Thessalonica, which was this big city on the coast of the Aegean Sea in Greece. It was a wealthy city. They had a lot of religions. They worshipped many gods, not just one god. Uh, and, and idols were everywhere. And in fact, making and selling idols was big business in Thessalonica. And so any religion that said there's only one god and did not use idols would not be popular. The Apostle Paul visited Thessalonica for the very first time in the early 50s A.D., about 25 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And the first three Sabbaths he was in that city, he went to the Jewish synagogue and preached about Jesus. And the result was that a handful of Jews became followers of Jesus. But a large number of Gentiles who feared God and would go to the synagogue to worship became believers in Jesus Christ. There were some very prominent wealthy women in Thessalonica who became Christians. And so this group of predominantly Gentile believers, with Paul's help, established the Christian church in this large metropolitan city of many religions called Thessalonica. And things were going really well. The church was growing. It was becoming strong. But eventually the Jews became jealous of the church's success and growth. 
And they instigated a, a riot, a mob, if you will. And one day this mob physically went to the house of the leaders of the church and physically drug them out of their homes, physically drug them to the city leaders and charged them with being unpatriotic, with being traitors because these Christians were saying, Caesar's not Lord, Jesus is. And eventually these church leaders were released because they paid a very heavy fine. But they were worried about Paul's life. They thought his life was at risk. And so that very night, they helped Paul escape to another city to safety. And even though the church was strong and it was doing well, for the next many years, the church continued to suffer persecution. Now, during those years of persecution, Paul would visit that church one more time. And he would write them two letters that are found in our New Testament. Now, think about this. This elderly man who founded that church that loved this church, this church for years has endured persecution, and he writes them these letters just to encourage them and help them. And in his last letter, he begins it by saying to them, I thank God for you. Can't you just hear the love in his voice? I thank God for you because your faith is greatly increased and your love for each other ever grows larger. And I speak proudly of you among the other churches of God because of your endurance and your faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions that you're suffering. When I read those words that Paul wrote to this church he had founded and loved and thought, I thought, wow, here's this man of God, this missionary, bragging on this church in a pagan city that's suffering persecution because in the midst of everything, their faith was getting bigger and bigger and their love for each other was growing stronger. He says it ever increases and in the face of all their persecutions and all their afflictions, they persevered, they didn't quit, and their faith just got stronger. That's a really good reason to brag on a church, isn't it? It's a really good reason to like a church. And the truth is there are many reasons to like the church, to like this church. Some of them are better than others, but there are a lot of good reasons to like a church. And I want us to think for a few moments, and then we're going to look in detail at what Paul said, but I want us to think for a few moments that some of the reasons people like churches, the reason you perhaps like this church or churches you've been a part of in the past, just think with me for a moment in your own mind. What are some of the reasons that people tend to like churches? There are a lot of good ones. One reason that some people like their church is because of what it does for them. I like my church because when I go there, I feel good. I feel better. I like my church because it helps me. I like my church because it cares about me. And when I'm struggling or I'm sick, they minister to me. I like my church because of what I get out of it, because it benefits me. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should be blessed by your church, and I hope you get something out of it, and I hope the church cares for you. You, you need love. But, but brothers and sisters, that's not one of the better reasons to like a church. And here's why. Eventually, a church is not going to do enough for you. Eventually, 
a church is going to let you down in some way. Eventually, a church is going to do something you don't like because no matter how hard we try to be be the genuine people of God, growing in our relationship with Jesus, we're not perfect, and therefore the church is not. And sooner or later, the church is not going to care for you or do for you the way you wanted or expected. They're going to do something you don't like, and it's going to let you. And if if the main reason, if the primary reason you like a church is because of what it does for you, because of what you get out of it, well, that's, that's a good reason. But it's not the better reason, and eventually it'll let you down. It's a problem. Another reason some people like the church is because they like the pastor, they like the staff. You all like Brother David, our youth pastor. You like a deacon. You like the people who work in your Sunday school class. You like some leader in the church, and that's good. And I hope you like me. I hope you like our staff. I hope you like your Sunday school leaders. I hope you like the other leaders in this church. That's a good thing we talked about last Sunday, how we're supposed to do that. But there's a problem if the primary reason you like a church is because of the pastor or some of the leaders in it. Because every pastor, every staff member, every Sunday school leader, every leader in a church is human. And that means we're fallible. And every person in this church in any leadership role sooner or later is going to disappoint you. They're they're, they're going to do something you wish they had not done. They're going to not do something you wish they had done. They're going to let you down. It's human nature. And here's the, here's the reality. The longer you are in a relationship with someone, the greater the odds they're going to do something you don't like. Now, how many of you have been married more than 10 years? Raise your hand. All right. You know something that those who have been married less than 10 years don't know. You know that the longer you're married, yes, if you do it right, the better it gets, but also the longer you together, there's just more and more things they do along the way that you don't like. Because you're together more often. Somebody's going to do more things that disappoint you in 30 years of being together than in three years of being together. It's just human life. It's human nature. And so if you're in a church for years, if you have the same pastor for years like you all had me for all these decades, if you're in the same Sunday school class for years, you're in relationships. Relationships last because you realize that you have to overlook some things because everybody lets you down eventually. And if the primary reason you like a church is because of the leader's That's a good reason, but it's not one of the better reasons. Another reason some people like the church is because of the programs that it offers and all the ministries that it does. They like the music. They like the choir. They like the the ministry they're a part of during the week, whatever it is. You just like what this church does. But here's, here's some realities. Programs grow old and in time become less effective. And today, we, we know the culture is changing. And one of the realities is that churches today cannot do as many things program-wise as they did 30 years ago because today mom and dad both work and work long hours often. Children are involved in extracurricular activities two nights a week if you're lucky, three nights a week, four nights a week. There's weekends tied up. You're on traveling teams, traveling soccer, traveling dance, traveling this, traveling that. And it's busy and people are busier today than any time in modern history and churches today that try to do all the programs plus new programs they did 30 years ago are committing suicide you don't have the time to do all that and so sooner or later because of that programs change or programs get dropped and if you like a church primarily because of programs and primarily because of ministry sooner or later it'll change in such a way that will disappoint you and you'll have a problem 
And I hope you like our ministries. I hope you like being part of the different ministries and programs in this church. And that's a good reason to like the church, but it's not one of the better reasons to like a church. Another reason some people like the church is because they have some really good friends there. Anybody got a good friend in this church? I hope you do. You need friends. And God wants us as brothers and sisters to be close to each other. One of our spiritual passages is spiritual friendships, developing relationships based on our common commitment to Jesus Christ and the way we care for one another. That's important. But life happens. People move. Some people, unfortunately, go through times of spiritual backsliding and give up on Jesus and give up on the church. Somebody gets mad and joins another church and all of a sudden you find yourself and your best friends are no longer here. What do you do when that happens? You quit? You go somewhere else? See, I hope you have friends in this church. You need friends in this church. Be a friend to people. But if the primary reason reason you like a church is because you have really good friends there, that's a good reason, but it's not the better reason to like a church. You see, one of the reasons... So many people hop from one church to another church to another church. It's because they like the church they're a part of at any moment in time for some good reasons, but not the better reasons. They like the church they're in at that moment because of some things that are good, but not the things that matter the most. And what about you? Why do you like church? Why do you like this church? Why do you like churches you've been a part of in the past? Is it for good reasons? I hope so. Is it also for better reasons? I really hope so. See, Paul bragged on that church in Thessalonica. And I want you to notice he didn't brag on them because he had good friends there although I'm sure he did. He didn't brag on them because of the programs and ministries they ran. He didn't didn't brag on them because he liked the pastor or some other leader in that church. And he didn't brag on them because of what they did for him or or what he got out of it. All of those are good things, but they're not the most important things. Paul bragged on that church. Why? Do you remember what we said? Look in your Bible at 2 Thessalonians. The two letters Paul wrote this church are the books of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians in your New Testament. If you want to read the story of the church later today, it's found in the book of Acts chapter 17 and also some verses scattered throughout the two Thessalonian letters. But the last letter Paul wrote this church is 2 Thessalonians. Now remember, they've been going through persecution all these years. And so he sends sends them this letter... And in the beginning of the letter, in verse 3, he says, I thank God for you. And he says, it's only fitting that I do this. It's the right thing to do. You've lived long enough, hopefully, that you understand if you are a positive person and a thankful person, it affects how you feel and how you talk. And on the other side, if you're a negative person and a critical person and a judging type person, then that's going to affect how you think and feel and talk. Do you remember what the Bible tells us as followers of Jesus about thankfulness? 
be thankful in everything. Doesn't mean we're thankful for everything that happens, but God wants you and me as his disciples to make the intentional decision to be a people filled with gratitude, a people who are positive, a people who are thankful, not a people who are negative, not a people who are critical. And Paul looked at this church for some incredible reasons, and he said, I thank God for you. And they were going through persecution, but he was thankful for them in the midst of all of it. He said, because in the midst of that, in verse 3, your faith is greatly enlarged. Now, now get this picture. Here they have for years endured persecution. And rather than allowing the hardships to defeat them, in the midst of the persecution, their faith got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. What happens to you when it gets hard? What happens to your faith? When somebody doesn't like you, what happens to your faith when someone laughs at you because of your convictions and beliefs as a follower of Jesus? What happens to your faith when a pastor or a Sunday school leader or someone else does something you don't like or they let you down? What happens to your faith when the church doesn't do the things that you want it to do? What happens to your faith when it gets hard out there in life? What happens to your faith when the doctor says cancer? What happens to your faith when the boss is trying to get you to do something that you know is wrong and perhaps illegal? What happens to your faith when things don't go your way? Paul said, one of the reasons I brag on this church and I'm so thankful to God for this church is in the midst of everything, their faith just kept getting bigger, greatly enlarged, he said. And then he added another reason I'm thankful for you is the love each one of you has for one another grows ever greater in verse 3. Now notice how he said that. Very important. He didn't just use a, a general term that said you all are growing in your love for everybody. He said the love that each one of you has for others in the church is growing ever greater. You know what he's saying? He said, each and every single one of you is growing in your capacity to love other believers. Not just the church in general, but each of you, each of you, each of you are growing in your ability to love others in the church. And because of that, he says, I speak proudly of you. In verse 4, I speak proudly of you when I'm with other churches of God. When I'm, as a missionary, traveling, going to other places, I brag on you. I hold you up as an example. I speak proudly of you. Why? He tells us in verse 4, because of your perseverance and your faith in the midst of all your persecutions and all your afflictions that you are suffering. In the midst of it. You see, none of those have anything to do with saying the church, I like the church because of what I get out of it. 
None of those have anything to do with I like the church because of its programs, because of its music, because of its this, because of its that. None of it has anything to do with I like the church because I like the preacher, I like the Sunday school leaders or whatever. None of it has anything to do with I like the church because I've got some really good friends there. That, those may all be true. Those are good things. But Paul said there are some things in life that matter even more. And there are some better reasons, more important reasons to like a church. Remember I said when you like someone or you like something, you you take care of it, you help it, you protect it. Well, let me ask you, in light of what Paul has said about this church, are you helping this church, your church, First Baptist Church, be the kind of church that people will like because your faith is constantly getting bigger? Are you helping First Baptist Church be the kind of church that people will like because your love, None other's love for you, but your love for others in this church is getting bigger all the time. Are you helping First Baptist Church be the kind of church people will like because in the midst of whatever hardships and disappointments you suffer in life, you persevere, you hang in, you don't quit? And are you helping First Baptist Church be the kind of church people will like because in the midst of whatever's going on in life, you are still a person of genuine faith? See, in our American culture where it's about fast food drive through and consumerism, we've made church the same thing. What do I get out of it? And I hope you benefit from this church. But brothers and sisters, church is not primarily a selfish endeavor. We are called to a life of surrender, a life of submission, a life of sacrifice, a life of service, a life of loving, even when that's hard to do. There's some lessons for us in all this. I think God is teaching us in this chapter that uh, the spiritual stuff in in life matters more than the personal stuff. I I think he's teaching us that faithfulness to Jesus matters more than friends. I think he's teaching us that growing spiritually and not giving up matters more than what programs your church has. I think he's teaching us that, that suffering is not an excuse for quitting. Now, all these other reasons are are good things. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Those are good things. Having friends, that's good stuff. But there's more important stuff. There's stuff that's, that's of much more significance. It's the kind of stuff he was talking about here. Paul said, I like that church because they are the real deal. And they're the real deal because the people sitting in the chairs like you are right now are the real deal. See, we throw our arms up and complain about the church. I got news for you. The church is not some ambiguous something. The church is you and me. It's us. The church is not something you can point your finger at. If you want to talk about the church, stand in front of a mirror.
It's us. It's me. It's you. It's each of us. Now, there are some other really good, better reasons given in the New Testament for liking the church that are not part of this passage. Would it be okay if I just take a few moments and real quickly, shotgun fashion, share some of those with you? Look at the verses on the screen. You know, one, one, one more good reason, really good reason to like the church, a better reason is because Jesus loved the church and purchased it with his own blood. Think about that a minute. There are, listen, folks, there are people who have sacrificed financially for years so that we can relocate from downtown to this property, buy all this land, build these buildings, and do the ministries we do here. Rock the house. Hey, students, listen to me. What you got to do this weekend was not all free, was it? And some of what you got to do, you got to do because people in this church gave sacrificially so you could do it. But there's no amount of money any of us could ever give for this building, for this campus, for our ministries that would even come close to pay, to comparing to what Jesus paid for the church himself because he loved the church. Look at the next slide, the Bible verses. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. No amount of money, no amount of sacrifice from us would ever come close to matching what Jesus gave for the church. And that's a better reason to like the church because Jesus said the church is of great worth. Another reason, a better reason, a biblical reason is to like the church because the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. Jesus, on different occasions in the Gospels, referred to himself as the bridegroom. Revelation 19, verse 7, Let us rejoice, be glad, and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready at the second coming of Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and the bride, us, the church, the wedding feast of the Lamb. We're his bride. The church is his bride. Now, Monisa and I have been married 32 years. Did I get that right? Did I? Got it. 32. Some of you have been married a long time. Some of you have been married longer than us. Some of you all hope to be married someday. Now, can you imagine you're out in public and some doofus comes up to you and starts putting down your wife or your husband to your face? What would you do? You might get out of the spirit and get in the flesh and do something you shouldn't, right? Because you love your bride, you love your husband, and the truth is my bride, as beautiful and sweet as she is, is not perfect, and I'm definitely not. And your bride is not perfect. Your husband's not perfect. This church is not perfect. No church is perfect. We all have our wrinkles, and the longer we live, the more we notice them. Well, I'm sorry, but that's how life works. If you're, if you're waiting for that perfect bride of Christ, you're waiting for that perfect church, or every time you realize there's a wrinkle in your church you don't like, you're going to go out and find something new, you're going to be jumping around for the rest of your life. Because when you love your bride, you even love those wrinkles. Y'all get what I'm saying? Hmm? 
And, 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 and you have all these people today, oh, I love Jesus, and, but, but I don't want to be, don't need to be part of the church. We've said for weeks the church is the local visible, physical expression of the body of Christ, the church. To say, I love Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with a local church is to say, I love my wife, but I'm never going to hang out with her. It's the same as saying, I love my wife, but I'm not going to do anything to serve her, anything to protect her, anything to help her, anything to care for her. This church is the bride of Christ. You love him, you love his church, and you help him, you protect it, you care for it, you love it. Go ahead. It's the bride of Christ. It's not Walmart. It's the bride of Christ. Here's another better biblical reason for liking the church. It's because the church is the pillar of truth. Church is the pillar of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15, the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. When we say someone is, the, he's, he's a pillar, he's the pillar of that institution, he's the pillar of that church, he's a pillar in our community, we mean he's a significant, important stronghold in that community, right? And God is saying in that Bible verse that the church is the pillar of truth. You young people, some of you are getting ready to go off to college here in the next couple of years or four years or whenever. And you're going to hear all kinds of stuff, see all kinds of stuff, and not all of it is going to be truth. In fact, I promise you, I'm telling you, that I'm telling you, there will be people that come into your life with the sole purpose of tearing you away from the truth. They'll do everything they can to get, to get you to turn your back on the truth. And God said, I put the church in the world and the church is the pillar of the truth. And I know our culture is changing. There's a lot we love about America. There's a lot that frustrates us about America. And it seems like the truth is becoming less and less important in our culture. But God said, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church is the pillar of truth. And where would this culture be? Where would this nation be without that pillar of truth? This culture, this nation needs that pillar of truth today more than any time in history. And brothers and sisters, every one of us need to be doing everything we can to reinforce that pillar and make it strong and make it sound and make it secure because the world needs the church today, whether it knows it or not. And you're to help it, not tear it down. Make it stronger, not weaker, because you're a follower of Christ and a member of his bride, of his body. You're part of the bride. You're part of the church. Well, the last reason, and I'll be done, biblical reason, extra better reason, is because the church is the only institution Jesus established to keep people out of hell. You realize ultimately that's our mission? Keep people out of hell. Tell them about Jesus, that beautiful passage in Matthew 16 where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it or prevail against it and I'll give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bound on earth, bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, I give you the keys and you open the possibility of heaven for someone every time you tell them about Jesus and when you keep your mouth shut, you slam the door in their face. But I want you to know something. My church has the power of God behind it and in hell itself, death itself, Hades itself cannot stop it if we just trust him and are true 
to him. This world needs the church. Lost people need the church. The church is what he's put here so people can know about heaven, know about Jesus, know about the gospel, and keep them out of hell. And therefore, this church matters. And again, brothers and sisters, do everything, everything, everything you can to help this church be a better church, to be a strong church. Don't weaken it. Build it up. Help us be the kind of church that people will brag on by you becoming the kind of follower of Jesus Christ that is faithful, that is growing, that is loving, that is obedient, that is forgiving, that is always moving forward and not going backward. All right. I hope there's a lot of reasons you like this church. I hope you like it for some of the good reasons I mentioned at the start. But I really hope you like it for some of those better reasons as well. And like I said, when you like something, you brag on it, you help it. Paul bragged on the church at Thessalonica. As I wrap this up, let me ask you this question. How do you talk about this church? Hmm? How do you talk about this church? How do you talk about this church with your friends? How do you talk about this church with your family? How do do you talk about this church at work? How do you talk about this church in the community? How do you talk about this church to other people? Are you building it up or tearing it down? Are you helping it or hurting it? Are you becoming what God's calling you to become? Are you inviting people to worship to Sunday school? To serve with you. Next Sunday is our annual refresh service. No Sunday school. Just one worship service. Everybody will put all the extra chairs out. We'll we'll cram in here next Sunday at 10 o'clock and celebrate some of the things that happened last year and talk about some of the things coming up this year. And really want you to be here for that. 10 o'clock next Sunday. But something we're doing, we're asking every person in this church next Sunday to wear one of these I Like My Church t-shirts. If you haven't gotten yours, they're over here on the tables today. If the ones on the tables run out, just look in the boxes underneath. But get you a T-shirt when you're done. If you have $5, you can drop in the basket for a shirt. Thank you for doing that. If you can't, get a T-shirt anyway. And so, yeah, let's just let's just everybody in here be wearing one of these blue or green I like my church shirts. Now, some of you ladies will dress it up. I get that. Some of you don't usually wear T-shirts, but try it. Won't kill you one time. Try it. But here's the, you know the real reason? It's not just so we can be united in this worship service, but just imagine this. Think of everybody in this room right now and everybody that was in the earlier service that was in this room wears these shirts. And then when we're, we're all together and we wear and when we're done, we leave. You go to lunch. You go to Manchester Park. You go to Cherry Park. You go to the movies. Go do whatever you do on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us are wearing these shirts. Do you know what's going to happen? There will be multiple hundreds of conversations next Sunday afternoon. Some of you say, I struggle to invite somebody to church. Wear this T-shirt and you won't struggle. They'll ask you about it. What is that? And you tell them, brag on your church. And then invite them to come to church with you. And by the way, when you invite someone to church, Don't do it this way. Don't say, well, I hope you come to church sometime. We'd love to have you sometime. Don't ever say that. Sometime. Can't you just imagine a salesman saying, I hope you buy this sometime. I'd love for you to come to worship with me next Sunday. I'd love for you to go to Sunday school with me next Sunday. 
I'll meet you out there on the patio where the picnic tables are with the umbrellas. I'll come by the house and pick you up and we can go together. We'll go to lunch afterward. I'd love for you to come with me. I'd love for you to be at church next Sunday. So I'm already five minutes over. Some of the youth are over here watching the clock. That's a bad thing about having y'all sit over here. You can see that big red number. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And for some of you, not just today, but what, what has he been saying to you the last month as we've talked about liking the church of Jesus Christ? What has he been saying to you? What is he saying to you right now? You need to listen to him. You need to answer him. You need to obey him. Because that's what we do as Christians. We hear God and we obey God. Some of you need to make your way to the front and get on your knees here or sit in one of these chairs and pray and talk to Jesus. Some of you need to join this church. Why? Because it's commitment. You make commitments to everything else. Commit to help this church. Commit to being a part of this church. Pastors and counselors will be here at the front. We invite you to come. So let's stand together, and I'm going to pray. And as soon as I say amen, you just start walking. We'll sing, and you come and make your decisions for Christ. Father, I know that you are talking to us. You love us. And I pray you'd help every man and woman, teenager, boy and girl, who needs to make a very specific decision, help them do it right now. In Jesus' name, amen.